Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Psalm 139, entitled, God Knows. And um, it's been about 20 years or so since my grandma died. My grandma was from Sicily, from Siracusa, and that's where she was born. They moved to the United States when she was about 12 or so. And um, she uh, was 94 when she died in 2000, we think. We're not sure. They didn't keep very good records. So that seems like February 14th, 1906-ish, was seemed like a good date. So that was her birthday, whether it was or not. <laughs> And she had a saying that I find myself repeating whenever uh, someone does something that I might be tempted to retaliate. And that's kind of how she used it, too. And it's, God knows. She's like, they're not getting away with nothing. God knows. (laughs) You know? And um, she's absolutely right. And so what she was saying, basically, and what David's saying in Psalm 139 is nothing escapes the attention of God. He understands how people are. He understands their motivations, their shortcomings, their evil intent, even their lame failed attempts to do good. And, with God's help, doing good with a pure heart. God knows. And he judges, and his judgment is righteous. And he also knows my heart and intentions, which shockingly are not always the best. I know, right? So tonight, I'm praying that God has helped me to prepare an encouraging message for you and for me. Psalm 139. So another one of my favorites, um, you know, as we continue our Wednesday night series, which I said earlier. So remember, about half of the 150 Psalms were written by David, King David, a man after God's own heart. And of all the Psalms written by David, this is one of them. That's a joke. Okay, thank you. I'll be here all week. Um, So David, in your Bible, it might be titled, God's Perfect Knowledge of Man. Kind of funny because God has perfect knowledge. You could just put the period there, right? Perfect knowledge. But the point David is making is specific to God's relationship with man. He made us. And as we'll see, he made us individually with care and purpose and love. He loves us more than we know. And so tonight I pray that God will show us in an even greater way just how great his love is toward us. So diving into Psalm 139, we'll start with verse 1. It's another joke. Okay. Uh, Psalm 139, 1 and 2. Oh, Lord. You have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. Right off the bat, David is like, you know, Lord, you know me, Lord. You understand my thoughts. Now that is very cool and scary all at the same time. Amen. Um, God understands our thoughts. And if you're like me, then you have a lot of stuff rattling around in La Cabeza. Sometimes very unwholesome. A role-playing running someone off the road when they cut you off might be an example. I don't know. Is that just me? <laughs> um, 
and all kinds of weird and even evil things that dart across our brains. It's, it's tough being a human in this fallen world. So what do we do when this happens? How do we handle that? And I'm far from perfect in this, of course, but to protect our hearts from evil and or unwholesome thoughts, we should, 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought into captive to the obedience of Christ. Nip it in the bud, as they say, when Satan or your flesh tempts you with a thought that will lead you away from God or lead you to harming your fellow human, usually the ones you love the most, God has provided a way out of that temptation. And the Bible also teaches that when Satan tempts you, it starts with you. He tempts you in ways that that you are weak and you entertain those thoughts and then Satan is able to tempt you in those areas. But the Bible says... Nip it in the bud. Take every thought captive to Christ. Don't let your thoughts run wild. Take them captive and filter them. And say to yourself, is this God honoring? Now, don't ask me how I know this, but every bad action starts with a bad thought. Satan wants to steal from you, kill you, destroy you. God sent his son to give you abundant life. Protect your heart from evil thoughts and your actions will follow. You will not be perfect in this side of heaven. And even though that is true, as we will soon see, God still loves you more than you can ever comprehend. One other quick point on God knowing our thoughts. Uh, We are stuck in these imperfect bodies. It can be very frustrating trying to communicate to others what you're feeling and thinking, you know, because it's all filtered through our mouths and our communication and all of that, it's just, it can be very frustrating. And people get offended when you didn't intend to offend. And we get offended when we shouldn't. We get offended when we shouldn't. Because people offend us when they didn't intend to. But God knows. He understands you better than you understand yourself. Which I do take comfort in that. Psalm 139.3 You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. This one is huge for me, and I'm sure you can relate. God understands our path. I know I don't. (laughs) Let me ask you this. How in the world did we all get here in Lubbock, Texas, hanging out tonight, right now, in this moment? I heard Cynthia's story. She's lived just about everywhere. (laughs) But here we are, all together in Lubbock, Texas, on this night, hanging out in in fellowship. How does that happen? It's a long story that I won't bore you with right now, for the sake of time. I probably will later at some point, if I haven't already. Um, I have a friend. His name is Don Webster. And he was the station manager at Family Life Radio. And so in 2000, God was really drawing me back to him. It was just irresistible. And we used to do this thing on the TV show where Adrian and I, we would say, hey, you know, bring us your T-shirts for your events and we'll show them on TV and we'll advertise your nonprofit event or whatever. And so God told Don to give me a call. And we went and had lunch and we hit it off. He's a real funny guy and we just, just really hit it off. Now... 
you know, he's a former Baptist pastor and station manager at Family Life Radio. God hadn't completed his drawing me back to him yet. And so Don was like, hey, um, how are you with Jesus? And I like gave him the new age answer because that's where I was at the time. And, you know, we still had fun. He gave me a tour of the station and we went on our way. Then it wasn't too much longer, a month or two later, when God did draw me back to him. And, um, and I became a Christian again. That's a longer story too. And I give Don a call. Don, you were right. Jesus is the answer. I want to volunteer. And so that led me to leaving TV and moving into Christian radio. And uh, Don put me on in the afternoon shift. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was crazy. So I would do the morning show on TV in the morning. And then I would go over to the radio station and do the afternoon shift. And then, I don't know, it was a couple, three years later, I met, this, I met this new pastor. He was planting a church, Calvary Chapel, Lubbock. You might have heard about it. Pastor Ben. And we met at Family Life Radio, I don't know, was that 18 years ago, something like that? 18, 19 years ago? And so now, all these years later, <laughs> I'm part of this wonderful fellowship. Pastor Ben probably saved my life. or certainly gave it purpose. Because I ended up back here never thinking that I would ever end up back here um, to, take a, to take care of my mom that turned out was escorting her home. And I was sad and depressed. And Pastor Ben's like, hey, get out of that apartment. You need fellowship, brother. And so who, who would imagine that when we met 18 years ago that we would be back here serving together and, you know, still great friends. It's just uh, amazing how God works. And I'm sure you all have your own stories about how you ended up in Lubbock or, or how you ended up where, you know, some weird things in your life. It's like, you know, man plans his own steps, but God is the one who guides your steps. It's who knew? Skipping down to verse 7 through 12 on Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Oh, shall hold me. <laughs> and your right hand shall hold, me, shall hold me. There we go. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. So we cannot escape God's gaze. He knows us intimately, and it, it doesn't matter where you go or what you do. So my grandpa had a saying that still cracks me up. He was from Naples. Um, he said, remember, wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> it's true, right? So, and that's my biggest problem. Whenever I get home, and I open the door, and there I am. Great, you again. But the best, but the best news is, so is God, and He's guiding our steps. He has a good plan for your life. We'll get into that here in just a second. So, even there, your hand shall lead me. In heaven, in hell, in an octopus's garden, in the shade. 
If, read it again. It says that. It's, I don't know which version that is, but it's in there. All right. God is there with us. He has night vision. He's not scared of the dark. He's omnipresent everywhere at once. This is so comforting in an evil world. God is with you. He is directing your path. Ephesians 2.10, another one of my favorite verses. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He has good plans for you, even for such a time as this, as, as I like to say. Thank you, Ruth. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're, in, we're in this time in history where evil knows that its time is short, and all you have to do is watch the news and just go, what in the world? Just a couple of years ago, we'd not even imagine this kind of stuff that's going on. But, take heart. This is not taking God by surprise. He knows what's happening. He has plans for each of us in what's happening now in the world. So we can have peace in that. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. For you formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as of yet there were none of them. You see that? God knitted us together, individually, with, with the plans that he had in store for us before we were even known that he put us together with care even before there were none of them. He cared about us from the very beginning, before the beginning. I always like to say before the foundations of the earth were laid, God knew. So I do want to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, the evils of abortion and what's going on in the world with that. And, you know, God's words clearly states that life begins at conception. And the reason why I chose to, to talk about that here is because of that last verse where the Bible is clear that we are knitted together in our mother's womb, that life does begin at conception. And science, um, they... When an egg is fertilized, they have been able to record a bright light, a burst of light right at that moment. And then you probably know this, but then once, once that happens, that fertilized egg gets its own DNA right then. Right then, individual DNA. That's going to be the, uh, the blueprint for that person when you grow up. Now, I want to be very clear about something as well. When we talk about abortion, it is very important to remind anyone that might see this online or might hear it later on the podcast or that's here, God sent his son to die for you and all of your sins. All of your sins. And so sometimes when you hear a message like this, you can get condemned. 
Oh, my goodness, I had an abortion a long time ago. They lied to me. I didn't know any better. Don't be condemned. What I'm telling you is run to God. That's where your forgiveness is. That's where restoration is. And remember this. God is so good that if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to see that baby again. You're going to be reunited. It's amazing. Now, the flip side of that is a world that celebrates sin. And that is so much different. And you see it, you know, everywhere right now. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're attacking our kids. They're attacking our families. They're confusing gender. They're doing all of these evil things to attack the family. And I don't have it in my notes, but Ephesians 5, it's a great mystery where a marriage is a picture of Jesus and the church. And Satan is attacking that image and has been for a long time, um, but we're seeing that accelerate now. And so the evil that we see in the world... God's going to take care of that. God knows. It's not getting past him. He will judge, and he will take care of that. So the other thing about abortion that is so severe, in my estimation at least, when I, when I read the New Testament, um, when Israel went into the land... And God said, kill them all. Kill the husbands, the wives, the kids, the cattle, the goats. Wipe them out. Because they were worshiping Baal. I don't know how you say that. <laughs> and they were putting their kids through the fire. They were sacrificing their children. And so God's judgment before the new covenant, he told Israel, wipe them out when you're going to take over the land. Um, and so that was the judgment that came on them for that specific reason. And so, again, Psalm 139 just makes it so abundantly clear of how much God cares about a child even before that egg is fertilized. God has a plan for that kid even before <laughs> It's amazing. So a couple other examples. When Israel was captive in Egypt, Pharaoh was concerned about the population explosion of the Hebrew slaves and ordered that the males be killed at birth. But God spared Moses, and we know the rest of that story. After Jesus was born, and Herod got wind that a king was born in Bethlehem, and he ordered all the male children, two years old and under, to be killed. God protected Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. And we know the rest of that story. Amen. So why is Satan killing our babies? Well, beside it being his nature to kill, steal, and destroy, could it be that he's trying to prevent the next evangelist from being born, the next teacher-preacher that will bring revival? Good luck with that. God is able and has demonstrated that his will will pre prevail. But the world, Satan, 
They are lying to women. They are bringing so much confusion that even a nominee for the Supreme Court couldn't define what a woman is because she's not a biologist. I mean, this is how crazy things have gotten. And that's why we need to be in and know God's word. This is the truth. And the truth, depending on which version you read, will set you free or make you free, right? I always like to ask this question. Um, growing up, I always liked science. So science, are, they still don't know. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? It's an easy question. God created chickens. <laughs> but, but, you know, the scientists, they have no idea. They can't figure it out. It's because they don't have God's word. They don't know God's word. This is going to clear up everything for you. All right, so let's read ahead Psalm 139, 16 through 19 again. So you have formed me, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. God knew you before you were born. He took an active role in literally making you who you are. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not an accident. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Let me repeat that. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Probably more than one, actually. Purposes. And I want you to get excited about that. So I know for me, I can get down and depressed because I don't do a good job of taking every thought captive sometimes. But God, through David, wants to encourage you right now. God has been with you since the beginning. And he is with you no matter where and what. He has created you and good works for you to walk in. He has put you in a forever family. None of us are perfect, but all of us are loved by God, and we get to encourage each other in that, as I like to say often. So God has been telling me, lift up your countenance, because I really went, it got pretty dark for me a couple years ago, but he's been telling me, lift up your countenance. You are loved, I am with you. Even until the end of the age, all of my promises are yes and amen through Jesus. God will, God is accomplishing his will in your life. Philippians, flip on over to Philippians uh, 1 verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it into the day of Jesus Christ. What is that word there? He will complete it. He will complete it. Until the day of Christ. It's not he might, he could, if he's in the right mood. You know, perhaps he'll think about it. He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of purposes for the Holy Spirit. It leads us into all truth. But Jesus and God, probably the number one goal is to conform you into the very image of Christ. 
And by and we do that by beholding him from faith to faith and glory to glory, and he changes us. So check this out. I get so excited by this next package, pa- passage. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I pray you will see the height and breadth and depth of God's love for you. If I can steal a prayer from the Apostle Paul. Romans eight thirty eight and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This promise is for you and for me. If you are one of God's highly esteemed, cherished, great value children, and if you're in Christ, you are. <laughs> Back to Psalm 139, 17 and 18. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So let's try to comprehend the uncomprehensible. What are precious thoughts, by the way? We, know, we, need no look, we need to look no further than the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> My precious. It's a bad joke, sorry. Merriam-Webster says, Precious is of great value, of high price, highly esteemed, or cherished. God's precious thoughts towards you more than the grains of sand. Even if you could count them, God is thinking of you constantly. You are of great value. You are highly esteemed. You are cherished. When you're attacked by Satan and he tries to tell you that God doesn't care, take those thoughts captive. Remind yourself how precious are God's thoughts to you. They outnumber the grains of sand. Now, it doesn't mention here which planet. I'm assuming ours. Um, There's probably sand on other planets, so that might be included. I don't know. But the number is so huge, I mean, it's just constant, precious thoughts towards you from God. It's, it'll blow your mind, if you could even comprehend it. But in order to receive those amazing benefits, you need to receive God's gift of his son, Jesus. You need to be saved. Saved? You Christians always say saved. What does that mean? What does saved mean? Well, I'm glad you asked When you accept Jesus as your Savior, then he gives you the right to be a son or daughter of God, right? With full rights of sonship or daughtership, you are accepted into God's forever family with the right to live with God in his presence forever in heaven, or it doesn't even, it starts now. It starts now. When you accept Christ, right at that moment, and even before, because God knew you even before. But once you accept Christ, um, you're in his presence from then on. It's an amazing thing. And so it's grace, receiving what you don't deserve, and mercy, not receiving what you do deserve. And Jesus is coming soon. And what a wonderful day that will be. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. But there's work to do, right? 
There's work to do. There's some prodigals even in my family that need to come home. So, you know, we're, we're going to go with God's timing on that. And, um, you know, he's not going to come back one second sooner or later. His timing is perfect and will be perfect. So if you're in Christ, what a wonderful day that's going to be when we're caught up. But what a terrible day that's going to be for those who reject God's gift of salvation. Because this is what you're saved from. Jesus is coming back to judge the nations. So he's going to be pouring out his wrath. He's going to be making judgments. And you want to be in Christ when that day comes. I actually wrote this. When the saints come marching in, you definitely want to be in that number. (laughs) Right. And so this is why we pray for our leaders. This is why we pray for people that are in elected office even, who are outside of the Supreme Court, screaming for the right to kill babies. We pray for those people. Because if they die outside of Christ, or if Christ comes back before they repent, it's going to be so horrible for them. And they are not outside. They are not beyond God's reach. Let me put it that way. If they repent, then they can be part of God's forever family just like us. We were a mess back in the day. Yesterday, I think, for me. But anyway. Um, Right, thank you. (laughs) Exactly right. I'm not arguing that. (laughs) So it's a fate worse than death. And, you know, that's why... That's why God's word says, pray for your enemies. That's why God's word says, pray for those who spitefully use you. Now, when I worked at uh, Family Life Radio in Tucson, I had a couple worker uh, co-workers that also ran or were part of the presidential prayer team. And when George W. Bush was president, they were doing great. <laughs> they were getting all these donations. People were praying. They were sending out newsletters, pray for President George W. Bush. And then the saddest thing happened. Uh, Barack Obama became president. That's not the sad part. (laughs) Maybe. But uh, the sad part was the donations dried up. People didn't want to pray for Barack Obama or his administration. And that is wrong. And um, now the presidential prayer team is still around. I I double-checked, so they're still there. But it was just kind of a sad state of affairs, and it's another reason why we need to be in God's Word so that we understand what our roles are supposed to be, you know, what God is calling us to do, how to behave. So you never know who's going to be the next Saul who becomes Paul. All right, the rest of Psalm 139. We may go home early. Oh, my goodness. Psalm 139, 19 through 24. Oh, that you should slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting.
This is kind of a tough passage. But you have to understand, especially in the Old Testament, they didn't have the New Covenant yet. And so you had, you're looking forward to the cross. What David is talking about here, and what the Old Testament is talking about here, when you see, um, you know, how we're going to slay the wicked, it's really a type of sin. So we're going we're gonna to slay sin in our life. We're going to slay sin so that it will protect others. So we're not going to let sin prevail. Because they didn't have, they didn't have the new covenant yet. Now, when, um, when, when uh, David talks about, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. This is why David's probably my favorite character in the Bible. He had a heart for God. A man after God's own heart. He made some big mistakes. Amen. He killed his friend, stole his wife, all kinds of messes. Um, In a way, you know, it's kind of neat that the Bible has these stories of people who mess up that God still loves. I remember the first time I read Hebrews 11 and the heroes of the faith. And I was like, Samson's in there? Really? <laughs> Samson made the cut? Um, <laughs> but, you know, you know, I was a brand new Christian. You can't take us anywhere. Um, so, but I just love David's heart here. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, Keep in mind, God's kingdom has standards. So everything I've said so far is true. God loves you with an eternal love. His precious thoughts towards you outnumber the sand, which we cannot imagine that. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. He made you on purpose for a purpose or purposes. All of that's true. But, You can't just live like the world and expect God to be fine with that. As we just saw in that last passage, God is eternally opposed to sin. There's no sin in him. There's no darkness in him. He is eternally opposed to sin. He he can't help it. It's his nature. It's who he is. He wants what is best for us. And David is well aware that sin has consequences. Anyone else? I mean, I'm just looking at me. And I really like what Pastor Sof said on Sunday. You know that if there's an error, you know, you know if there's an error in your life that you're not submitting to the Lordship of God, you know. And you may have found out the hard way that God disciplines those he loves. So, you know, keep playing around with that stuff. You probably get a spanking because God loves you. Because you see, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is sealed with your spirit. You receive a new identity in Christ. So it's a gift. He gives you his righteousness. Are you kidding me? Did you know? Um, I don't know if you know who Joel Engel is. He used to be a Christian artist and then a, a pastor. And he did a men's uh, group 
at a church in Tucson that I went to. And he said, all right, men, how many of you here are righteous and truly holy? <laughs> and like, not me. Nobody raised their hand. He's like, you are righteous and truly holy. That is your identity in Christ. It's a gift. And so he, he got us by the end of the, of the hour to raise our hands on that question. Because you are. You're righteous and truly holy if you are in Christ. That's how God sees you. However, <laughs> there are standards. And uh, I just love this illustration. Um, since you are righteous and truly holy, and like Pastor Sof said, you know, be holy even as God is holy. And since you have received that gift, you are not a liar anymore. So quit lying. You're not a fornicator. Quit fornicating. That's not your identity. You're not an adulteress or an adulterer. Quit. So live according to your identity that, that God has given you. And he'll help you do it. He will help you do it. He knows. He knows everything. And so when you do mess up, run to your father, confess it, and try again. <laughs> and it, it may be a process. So as you live holy, even as he is holy, uh, it'll be like playing a country song pretty much. You'll get your dog back. Your mom will get out of jail. You get the idea. Of course, I'm being silly. But living out your life, what God has put inside you is how you realize that abundant life. You will have hard times. Jesus said, you will have troubles in this earth, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And God will use them to refine you, ultimately to strengthen you, which is a whole other sermon someday. And he will review your, reveal your own heart to you so that you can work on that. I know, um, you know, again, coming back to Lubbock, not planning on it, but mom needed me, and uh, I got to see the ugliness of my own heart in that. I did not have as close a relationship with my mom as I should have. And it really beat me up for a long time. And what's cool about that is after struggling with all that for a year or whatever, um, God revealed my heart to me. He's like, you're not as cool as you think, Mike. You know, be nice. Come on. And so we all have blind spots. And the really cool thing about God is, yeah, I don't care if you're the smartest kid in the class or if you're in the middle of the class or whatever. It's like God, God's economy is a little bit different. So you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm real good at taking tests. This Christian thing is going to be awesome. No problem. I'll just read the Bible and I'll know the whole Bible and I'll be super Christian. It's not like that. God knows what he needs to do to mold you into his image. And for everyone, it's different. It's different for every. Everyone has an individual path that they are walking down. And God will use those tough times to reveal our hearts, to refine us, 
and to make us better. And we'll go through those valleys and we'll go through those mountaintops. And, but uh, God is in control of all of that. So he has you through all of that. You can trust him in that process. And when things are really hard, and I know there's not a person in here who hasn't been through something really hard. And the older you are, probably the more things you've been through that are really hard or depending on who you are and your circumstances. But God will use everything to mold you into the image of his son. So God will slay the wicked. They will spend eternity apart from him. Hell is what we all deserve. But when we accept Jesus, we are saved through God's grace. So that's what saved is. What are you saved, what are you saved for? Well, I'm saved from God's wrath. He's coming back to judge the earth. So grace meaning what, uh, that we get what we don't deserve. A gift. A gift that you can receive not right now if you haven't. No one comes to the Father unless he draws them. So if God is drawing you, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer to receive his awesome gift. And then you will be saved from his wrath that is coming. Mercy, not getting what we deserve. Romans 10, 9 and 10. So some of them came up with the sinner's prayer, which is great. Not knocking that at all. But you don't have to pray. You just, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's simple. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if God is tugging on your heart, if tonight is the night of your salvation, let's just uh, bow our heads. And if you want to become a Christian, if God is drawing you, if you're watching online, or if you're with us here tonight, or if you're listening on the podcast, I would just ask that uh, you would raise your hand if you want to receive Christ. Now, we've got our small court group here tonight, so imagine we won't have any hands up in the sanctuary, but you never know. Um, So if you just lift up your hand so I can pray with you and for you. If you're watching online, God will see you. And just say this simple prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. I believe. I believe that Jesus died for me and my sins. I believe that on the third day, he rose again. Thank you for accepting me into your forever family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to God's family. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.